So uh, welcome everybody back to week two of, like it says, Into the Mind, which is our series that we are doing, that we are working really hard on uh, to continue to provide resources, to continue to provide avenues for all of the things that deal with mental illness, right? And last week we talked a lot about depression and, and the things that come along with it, and today we're going to talk about some other different things, uh, but I think this series is really good. It's not an exciting topic in that, that it's fun and all this happy stuff, but it's exciting that we can finally dive into these things that we feel maybe the church and people around us have failed to provide stuff for, have failed to provide adequate resources, adequate avenues for us uh, to, to go through uh, in times of trouble. And like we said last week, one in five people, uh, teenagers, suffer from depression. One in eight teenagers suffer from anxiety. And so in a room this size, a lot of people deal with these things. And if it's not medically treated, clinically uh, diagnosed, we deal with it in other ways. We deal with anxiety and depression every day in different ways. And so we talked about how the whole room here is in some point affected by this message. Because if we are in a good place, then we are in a place where we can help those people in trouble or steer them in the right directions. And if we are in a bad place, we have avenues, we have resources that we've been working on. And so Last week I said that we talked about depression isn't a sin, and, and we went over scientifically in the Bible how God was angry sometimes, God had uh, joy, he had all these emotions, and Jesus walked this earth as a person who had grief, and, and if Jesus had grief, and if Jesus suffered from the same things that we suffer from, anger and depression and anxiety, then he was also not a sinner. In Hebrews it says that God and Jesus were not sinners, and so there was no way that depression can be a sin. If Jesus had grief, we show grief, then it just doesn't add up, right? And we went all of through that last week about how God serves us in this way and how he is there for us and how he has given us all of these resources that we have in order to come to. Well, today we are going to talk about something that a lot of people with depression and anxiety suffer from. One of the main things that people with those things suffer from is loneliness. And I want to talk about this and how people suffer from uh, loneliness and how it is constantly on your minds, and all of us at some point in our lives will suffer from loneliness. We will all feel at times like we are the only one who knows our problems, that, that we are in a place where we cannot come back from, and how we just suffer from this loneliness that depression and anxiety causes. And I recognize that this feeling is not exclusive to people with mental illnesses. Like I said, all of us in here have suffered from loneliness at one point in our lives. We have all been in a dark place where we feel alone and that nobody can help us and that God is actually there through all of that. There may be a lot of people here that feel alone. You feel alone because of a sin. You feel alone because of a broken relationship. You feel alone for various different reasons and you are stuck in this spot in your head that these lies continue to tell you that there is no hope. But there is hope and we are going to go through scripture today. We are not alone. No one here is alone. And if you think about it, I guarantee you that all of us are here for you, but there is one person who is here who is in all places at all times, and that's God, right? And we talk about how God can never not be in a place that you're in. God is here and there, and we're going to talk in the scriptures about all the places that he sits. And so we're going to talk in Psalm 139. And verses 7 through 12 says, Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light about me be night. 
Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. I think we all understand that, that God is in heaven. And, and as kids, we grow up thinking that that is where God is. But God is in all of these other places that the Bible talks about. It talks about Sheol, and it's a Hebrew word that essentially means hell. It, it means a place, a pit. It means a dark place, a grave, all of these different things. And it says God is there also. If there was one place that we wouldn't think that God could be, it would be in hell, in these dark places. But the Bible clearly says that he is there also. And it says that God has goes over and all the way to the wings of the morning. And so we think of the wings of the morning, and that's all the way to the east, right? That's where the sun rises. That's where the sun comes up. And so it says that God is as far east as we can see. And it says that he is as far west as the Mediterranean Sea. In that time, that was as far west as they knew. And it said God is there also. So it says that God is in all of these places. God is not reaching so far where we can't have him in heaven, where we can't have him in hell. From the east to the west, God is in all of these places. And so for us to think that we are alone in something is completely false. He is everywhere. And not only that, but he is inside of us as well. If you have placed your faith in Jesus and received the truth from what he is, then he dwells in us. Like we said last week, when God made us in the womb, he, he spoke his character, his traits into our soul, and he waits for us to call to him. The Holy Spirit in 1 Corinthians 6.19 says that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, that he lives within you. He's there to provide you comfort and to convict you, to guide you, to empower you, and to gift you. The Holy Spirit is God. And he is in you all the time. And we understand this God to be the Holy Trinity, right? The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And what that is essentially saying is that in all these places, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, anytime we look around, God is going to be with us. And even though we feel so alone sometimes and we feel like there's no one out there that understands us and that we can even want to crawl away, we want to go into hiding and be all by ourselves, God is saying, you cannot get away from me. I'm going to be there with you. And so to understand that, to even when we are alone, that God is going to be with us. And so today we are going to talk about being alone. And the first kind of half of this, we're going to talk about what us as people who feel loneliness a lot of the time feel. And then the kind of the second half of it, we're going to go into what the people who aren't feeling lonely right now can speak into our friends, can speak into our family in times of trouble and that loneliness that we often see. And so Matthew 28, verse 19 and 20 says, And Jesus came to them, and he said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus commanded these disciples to go out and make disciples. He commanded them to go out and do the things that he was asking them, which means they were good to go out to tell people about him, to share the good news of what he was and what he could do. And so he was telling these people to go out and say, you are everywhere that I say I am. That promise is good, not just when he told his disciples this. It wasn't something that had a time limit on it. He wasn't speaking this to the disciples and saying, you know, you can go out, and I'm going to be with you until a couple of years down the road, and then I'm not going to be with you anymore. This was spoken in the Bible, and it reigns forevermore. God spoke this to say 
I'm going to be with the disciples. I'm going to be with the people in between that. I'm going to be with you. And there's never an end to this. And I know in the quiet of our minds, we can convince ourselves that we are all alone. And I know it can be difficult to see a light in the darkness. And, and often when we are alone, we, we don't see God in that. Because like we said last week, we, we have a timeline and it's, it's on our time. We have something that we want to see come into fruition and that we want it to happen now. And, and if it's on God's time, then it's not quick enough for us. And he loves us and he cares about us and he, and he cares what we're going through. But sometimes stuff is on his timeline. It's not on our timeline. We talked about how we feel anxiety and mental pain. And when he was on earth, he felt those same things. And for us to be ashamed of feeling alone and for us to feel like we shouldn't feel a certain way if we know God, then that is sin talking to us. That is evil telling us lies that we are going to continue down the road if we believe. In Hebrews 4.14, it says, Since then we have a high great priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with us, with our weaknesses, but one who in every aspect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. Jesus has experienced what we experience. And so to feel shame or to feel like it is wrong to want to be lonely, to be lonely, to, to feel grief. And we said last week that it's this chemical imbalance in our brains that some of us have that we cannot get over without help and that we are asking you to let us know if you need help. And these words, sympathize, means to be able to feel someone else's pain. And so Jesus was able to feel other people's pain. He's able to feel our pain. He has compassion. When, 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 he, when we hurt, he hurts. And when someone is feeling down, he feels down. And he feels all of these things. He cares about our pain. It is not stupid to God. We may think that it is stupid. We may think that it is foolish to feel loneliness, that it is foolish to feel that we are away from everybody when we can be close to people. It feels like we think foolish thoughts, but God does not see that as foolish. I have two kids, Sloan and Cameron. They're four and a half and two and a half, and they cry a lot. They, they cry over the dumbest things sometimes. They, they cry when we don't even know what's wrong with them. Sometimes they'll cry because they don't get to eat dessert before dinner. They'll cry because they don't get to watch what they want on TV. They'll cry because they don't get to wear an outfit five or six days in a row because it's dirty, and they'll cry over that. They cry over everything, and sometimes Rachel and I will just look at each other and not even fathom how it can be possible that they can cry so much, that they can just pretty much cry on command. And so we see this every single day. But, but sometimes they cry for good reason. Sometimes that they are injured, that they are hurt, their feelings are hurt. And you can distinctively hear this different cry that kids make when there's actually something wrong or when they're faking. And so last night we were coming home from dinner uh, from a couple of friends' house, and we, we pulled in the garage. And our garage has two steps that go up into our house. And we got the kids out of the car, and we told them to go on into the house. And Sloan opened the door, and she went in the house, and we were gathering some of their belongings out of the car, their shoes and their jackets from the day. And, and Cameron was climbing up the first step, and we heard a thud. And so he had fallen down one step and began to cry. 
And so we rushed to Cameron and, and picked him up and held him in our arms and was trying to comfort him, asking him, you know, where he hit, and he was crying, and we knew that he was injured. We knew that it couldn't have been that bad because it was one step, but we still ached in our hearts because we hate to hear someone cry, especially your children, if they were hurt, if they were in a bad situation. And so we held him, we comforted him, we did everything we could, even though he couldn't tell us what was wrong, even though we knew that it wasn't something serious until he stopped crying. God feels the exact same way about us when we hurt. Regardless if he knows that it is something that is a broken heart that will mend the next day, if he knows that it is something that is going to happen to us over and over again and that we will still be okay, he cares that we hurt. He created us. He loves us. He wants us to come to him when he is hurting. When our kids get hurt, their instinct is to run to us because they know that we will comfort them. And he wants us to do that exact same thing. He doesn't want us to shy away from him. He wants to scoop us up in his arms and comfort us the way that we can comfort children. Because we are his children and he cares about our pain. He aches when we hurt more than we will ever know on earth. He is there for us and he wants, to, uh, he wants us to come to him in our pain. One way that God demonstrates his presence to people who are in pain on earth is through other people. And we talked about how as Christians we are supposed to be there for other people that, that are hurting. And it, it should hurt us when other people are hurting. When we see other people hurting, it should have an effect on us that, they, that we want to solve their problems. Regardless if we even know that what they are doing is sinful and what they are hurt by was something in a sinful nature, we should still want to comfort them as humans. In Galatians 6, it says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. So we already showed that, that having a mental illness is not a sin, that, that depression is not a sin. But take for a second, say if it, if it was the reverse of this, if it was that depression is a sin. We should still look to people that are in depression, that have anxiety, even if we think that it is a sin to do that and have compassion for them. It should not matter what another person has done, what we know the truth that they have done. We should go to them and be compassionate as human beings because other people are going to have to do that. We are all sinners, and we are going to need forgiveness. We're going to need people to come to us after things that we have done bad so that we know that depression isn't a sin. But even if it was, we should still run to those people who are in those problems. And why don't we do that? Sometimes we feel tempted to do nothing because sometimes we don't know what to do. And so we don't do anything. Sometimes it's always better to do something rather than nothing. And a lot of times we get caught up in being uncomfortable. We don't want to be uncomfortable, and so we see somebody that's hurting, and so we shy away from diving into their situation. If we find the truth out about them, that it will make us uncomfortable. And sometimes we have to get over that and be comfortable in uncomfortable situations. It's okay to be in those situations and show compassion and love to somebody who is in pain, somebody who is struggling with something. We don't know the full truth behind everybody's struggle. And so to help them in those situations, let them be themselves and shine a light 
and a love through Jesus when we are in good times. Because some of us in this room are, are going through good times right now. We aren't going through a loneliness or depression. And, and we are here on earth to shine light into those people who aren't. There are a lot of people who aren't. And they are never going to get out of that hole unless for a friend like us to speak into them. Whatever it is that you've got to do, do something to comfort others, to, to bear their burdens. And this is how we fulfill the law of Christ. And what is that? It is to love your Lord, your God, with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. This is how we show love, by being there for people who are hurting. And so as we close tonight, I want to make sure that one thing is clear, that God is extremely concerned about our emotions. He is concerned about things we are going through. He is concerned about how we are living our lives, how we are in our emotional state. And we are in our emotions and we are feeling lonely and we are suffering from this anxiety and depression. We cannot live up to the fullness that he expects of us. We cannot live up to the things that he has in store for us. And so to ask him for help, to go these routes that we have given for help is so important because he doesn't want to raise up some spiritual giant who knows all of their Bible verses, who can check off the days of the week that they go to church, but who is left emotionally struggling, emotionally depressed, anxious, lonely. Like an emotional toddler, we, we can't be spiritual giants and emotional toddlers at the same time. If we are left with these things, loneliness and, and abandonment, then that leads to these impure notions, these, these, these sins that come out of us when we are lonely. And so the last story I'm going to tell is there was this guy in the Bible, his name was Elijah, and we talked about Elijah and Elisha and how Elijah was the prophet and he gave his cloak to Elisha. Well, before that, God, you know, made Elijah his prophet, and he was a guy a lot like David. He had all of the spiritual well-being. He was chasing after God. He was doing all the right things in God's eyes. And, and one day... In Israel, this king named Ahab was worshiping false gods. He was worshiping Baal, and he had 450 false prophets that were worshiping to this false god. And so Elijah, being God's prophet, finally said, you guys have got to choose. You've got to choose if you're going to worship God. You've got to choose if you're going to worship Baal. You cannot have it both ways. There's only one God, my true God, and he is the one that you need to be worshiping. You're doing things that you should not be doing. And he was there to spread God's truth. And, and Ahab was like, why don't we just kill Elijah and all the prophets that claim that God is the real God? And Elijah said, well, first, how about we have a little contest? We'll go up to Mount Carmel. You can take all your prophets. You can worship Baal, and we'll have a little contest to see whose God is really who he says he is. And so he went up to this mountain, and they had all of the people in Israel. They had all of these false prophets. And Elijah said, we're going to build two altars, one to my God and one to your God. And so they built up this altar, and they put this sticks on the altar, and then they worshiped an animal. They worshiped this cow, and they cut it up, and they put it on the altar. And Elijah said, if your God is who he says he is, then why don't you tell him to light this fire for you? Why don't you worship to him, tell him to light this fire, and we'll see if he is really your God. So all day long, these false prophets were, were on their knees worshiping, begging Baal to light this fire. Elijah even went to the point where saying, well, maybe, maybe your God's in the bathroom. Maybe he went to get something to eat. Maybe he's taking a break right now, and that's why he's not lighting your fire. 
And so after a while, I just said, all right, now, now it's my turn. I'm going to show you who God really is. So he built his altar. He put the sticks on it. He put the bull on it that they were going to sacrifice. And then he got all of his friends to get buckets of water. They poured buckets of water all over the sticks, all over this animal, to completely douse it with water. And then he started praying to his God to light this altar, and God came through. God lit the fire. He soaked up all of the water that was in the trench around the altar, proving that he was the God who he said he was, proving that he is who he says he is. And so this was this ultimate for Elijah. This was the culmination of all of these things that he had been waiting for. His whole life he was spending giving God's word, saying who God said he was, and God showed up in this time that he said he was going to show up. He was on this spiritual high, this victory that he had over all these people. The false prophets were killed, and he went off. And then Jezebel, Ahab's wife, said, Elijah needs to be killed for what he's just done. And so Elijah runs off. He goes to this cave, hiding by himself, thinking that God is not with him for some reason after God had just done all of these incredible things. And God comes to him and says, Elijah, what, why are you in this cave? Why are you here when you could be out there serving with me? And he says, God, I'm, I'm all alone. I, I'm the last one left, and Jezebel wants to kill me. And so after this huge victory that he had had over these people, he felt like he was alone. And so if Elijah can think that he is alone, in this time after this huge victory, then why should we be ashamed for feeling alone sometimes when we are where we are? If Elijah is allowed to feel alone and God was there with him before, he was there with him afterwards, then it is the same thing that God is with us. And so we should never feel ashamed to be alone. Elijah felt alone even though God was there with him. God can help us do miraculous things, but when things aren't going our way, we feel alone. We felt like Elijah felt in that cave. There are two lies that loneliness tells us. It tells us that no one cares and that no one notices our absence. And those two lies can be ingrained in our brain and cause awful things. Let me just tell you that you are not alone. There are multiple people in this room that care about everyone here. There are people in this room that care about you so much. Your family cares about you. There are people all around you that care about you, including God. And the second lie is that nobody will notice your absence. Nobody notices anything that you contribute. That is a lie. I notice every single time somebody in this room isn't here. I notice an absence because every single person here adds something to this. Every single person adds something to your school, to your family. You add something to everything that you touch, whether it's ideas, whether it's you helping somebody else, whether it's you being in need and somebody else being able to help you. So the absence is never unnoticed, even though lies in your head may tell you that it is. You are not alone. God is with us everywhere and through everything. He loves us. We love you. We want to be there for you. And so we have all of these things that we have put into place in case they are needed, right? And so to never think that you are alone in anything that we're doing. We care for you. God cares so much for you. He put in you the things that he wants in your life. And for us to believe this lie that we are alone, we all feel alone sometimes. But through this whole message, I think it has shown up that God is with us 
everywhere we go, from heaven to hell, from east to west. He is everywhere in our lives. We just have to believe that. We have to see that God is there with us. Will you guys pray with me? God, we're just asking you to show up in our lives. We're asking to remove this this blindness that sometimes evil tells us that you are not with us and that is false. To help us stop believing these lies that we hear in our heads that for some reason or another, we are alone, we are without you. It's hard sometimes to feel lonely. Sometimes we want to feel loneliness. But you're always there with us. And there are people in this room that are here for you. There are people in this room that care about you, that notice your absence, that that notice the things that you're going through. And all it takes is an ask from God, an ask from us. And so we're just asking today to help us stop believing the lies that that we we hear in our head, the, the lies that we tell ourselves every day. And there's people here that, that are feeling lonely, that are feeling that there's no escape, that they're, they're feeling they're not needed, that they're not wanted, and that is all lies. Lies that evil tells to us to try to get us in, into sin, to try to get us to go down roads that God never intends us to go. God wants the best for us. He, he created us. He knitted us together. He spoke his traits, his qualities into us. And he is there for us. He loves us. He he wants to be there. His heart aches when we fall down. He is begging to let him scoop us up, comfort us, and put us on the right path. And so that if that is something that we have never done before tonight, by all means, God is there for us. He will always be there for us, and all it takes is an so as we close tonight, we just thank you so much for being there, and we know deep in our hearts that it is true, and just continue to open our eyes to all these truths. It's in your name we pray, amen. As we close this last song, guys, again, if you want